Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm Joe. You seem crabby today. I'm, you know what? I didn't, I'm a bit agitated. I'm just waiting for lunch. That's uh, it's all. 10 just, it's 10.05 in the morning. Almost time for half a sandwich. Okay. Yeah. Maybe maybe have that sandwich and you'll perk up a bit. We interviewed Melissa Lay. This is my part, not yours. Oh, okay. Go ahead then. We interviewed Melissa Lay. Sandy Lay Clothing. We have a book on Amazon. We do. <laughs> Entrepreneurial <laughs> landmines. But... Because you listen to our podcast, you get it for free. That's right. Just go to OutsideTheTank.com. You get the ebook, get right. the audio book. And free. if you want a paperback book, you can buy one for yeah. $10 on Amazon. Very proud of that book. All the stupid things that entrepreneurs do is they're attempting to grow and scale their business. Now you could talk about the interview. Okay. Sandy Lay Clothing, 100000 for 10%, so valuing the company at a million dollars. These are clothes for kids, unisex. Tops, hats, pants, all handmade. Uh, Melissa had done 340,000 of sales in two years, which I don't know if I created a kid's clothing company out of scratch. That's a lot of merch to sell. Yeah. So I think that's very impressive. Um, $22 a shirt, $550 to make. So it gives you an idea of the margins there. And she was, at the time of airing, making these at a facility in Portland. Um, I don't know if I said this, season eight, episode five, October 21st, 2016. So yeah. five years ago. All right. What'd the shark say? Well, uh, Robert went out right away. He saw a sales decline that concerned him. Cuban was out. He didn't understand how she was really um, marketing the clothing. Uh, Mr. Wonderful was out as well. He thought she was too small. There wasn't enough in infrastructure for his taste. And Lori was out. Uh, she said, I'm not going to make an offer. Just keep growing it. Barb was kind of in. She wanted 40% of the company, and she actually wanted to sell half of that to one of her other uh, companies, Shark Tank companies, yep. Grace and Lace. And Barb kind of kept came back, and she hardballed. Again, she wanted 40% of the, the, the company, but it, it became a little contentious, and Barb just kind of tapped out. So there, on the show, there was no deal. Okay. Uh this was a great interview. Yeah, it was. So listen to it, enjoy it, and then afterwards we'll talk about some of the great things we learned from this talented entrepreneur. All right, we are here with Mel of Sandy Lake Clothing, 2016 uh, Shark Tank. Uh, way back when, it, it probably, it's, 2016 sounds like a long time ago, and it probably feels like it. Um, really excited to have you on. Certainly appreciate you making the time to share some wisdom with all of the uh, aspiring entrepreneurs and rapidly scaling entrepreneurs that are listening to this and love hearing these great lessons from all the talented entrepreneurs we bring on. So let's start at the beginning. Where did the idea for the business originate from? Well, thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking about Shark Tank because it's such a, a fun and amazing community. Um, 
but yeah, I started Sandy Lake clothing. Um, I was a stay at home mom. I had two little babies and, um, I just wasn't, you know, satisfied from just staying home with them, which a lot of people are. So, you know, not talking down on that at all, but I just always felt like I, you know, could be doing more. And, you know, there's lots of nap times and downtime and I'm definitely a go-getter. So I had always wanted to kind of start something and we're really outdoorsy, adventurous. And so, you know, just going to stores like Target and whatnot, um, it always seemed like everything was glittery and sparkly for girls. And I, I have two little girls and I was kind of more into that, like unisex grays and whatnot. So I thought, well, why not just you know, start a company and, and start screen printing shirts, which I had no clue how to do, by the way, I had no history of this at all, but learned very quickly out of my garage. And, um, so started making, yeah, Sandy Lake clothing, unisex apparel brand for kids. And it just really took off like right away. Uh, we were one of the first, uh, graphic t-shirt companies on Etsy, uh, which was really blowing up at the time, um, back in, you know, 2014. And, uh, so we were fairly kind of, you know, early on in the, um, kids apparel world there. So I think that really helped us grow fast, but it's been a whirlwind ever since. Yeah. What were some of the early strategies you had for marketing? Because obviously you probably didn't have a multi-million dollar budget to run all the paid ads. And, and that was still early on in that as well. So what did you do to, you know, kind of muscle your way uh, through sales when you initially got started? Yeah. So this was also right when Instagram became really popular with businesses. I actually don't think we had a business account to start out with. I don't, I don't even think that was a thing. It might've been, but we didn't know how to do it. Uh, but so yeah, social media was kind of the, the outlet. Um, I just, you know, posted pictures of the, my kids in the shirts essentially, and figured out how to use hashtags and, uh, just kind of learned along the way, but I totally, you know, attribute our early sales from organic search engines through Etsy and, uh, just building this community on Instagram. So even up until my shark take episode, I had still never used a dollar of money on marketing, uh, just completely organic. And then how long were you in business prior to getting on Shark Tank? And how was it that you got on the show? So we opened up April 1st, 2014. And within the first year of being open, we, we really exploded. We had this awesome hashtag America flag shirt that you know, we'd opened right before the 4th of July. And so it was really this big hype um, that summer, really early on, which we were still making these one by one in our garage truly not knowing how to screen print. And so it was kind of <laughs> trial and error. We sometimes people would send us back and say, Hey, like my print washed out. And we're like, Oh, we probably forgot to dry that one. You know, it was nuts, but always try to have great customer service and learn a lot early on by just being really engaged. Um, and so that first year, you know, got really popular and within the following 2015 summer, like right before the 4th of July, or I guess it was probably early in the year is when we found out that um, Target had ac actually used this design. They had found it, designers that sold to Target had found it on Pinterest and had copied it. And it was actually in like every Target in the US. It was pretty widely spread. And so when that happened, I actually found out through a girlfriend, she was shopping in Target and called me and said, did you sell your design to Target? And you didn't tell me like, this is crazy. I didn't know, you know, Sandy Lake was that big and I said, no. And so, you know, I knew nothing about really anything in the retail world at this time. So I went into Target that morning and found the tank top and took this pretty iconic picture that's 
literally went around the world after that. Um, and it was like 6am. I asked another customer to take it of me and, uh, you know, actually bought the shirt too, just so I had proof. Um, and then posted it on social media. We had about 6,000 followers at this time, which was actually kind of a lot for 2014, 2015. Um, and from there it just exploded. So that's really where our company went to, you know, just such a different level. We got, you know, we were on the today show, good morning America. Um, and with that, you know, elevated our sales and we kind of had it completely, change everything at that point, but, um, pretty incredible experience, huge learning experience. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how we like really launched ourselves and we knew we had a business, not just a hobby. And then how I I have a quick uh, question about, uh, the self-production really, uh, a garage operation. You doing everything just, I assume there was no cut and sew products. These were blanks that you were screening or heat transfer on or whatever. And at what point did you, or did you ever move away from that and have product produced elsewhere? When in the, uh, when in the timeline of your business, did you move from that? If so. About six months ago. So we were always, so it was kind of a foundation of our brand is that we were, you know, made by mom inspired by littles. And so I really, it dove me really deep into the decorating apparel world. I actually made a lot of friends, learned how to do it. We ended up opening a storefront, much bigger facility. And I hired, you know, a printer to come print for me. Um, But we never really left until recently that, you know, made all by hand, all by us. Every shirt came out of our, our shop. So, um, but I, I just feel like, you know, once you get really good at it, it's a, it's a trade. Um, and the community is really great. And so we kind of love that aspect of our brand. However, once you hit a certain level, there is just this moment where it was like, we can't, we can't do this anymore to, you know, the margins are great because you have, you know, just stocks of blank and you're printing the one that got ordered and you're sending it out. But I missed my kids and my family. I'd be up all night printing shirts in the garage. And then I'd spend the whole next morning packaging them until I had some employees help me with it. But you know, that was after shark tank and we were selling so much more. Um, and so just got to a point we couldn't do it on our own, but. I'm curious, those, the stories that you mentioned, like good morning America was the angle that, Hey, this mom creates this really neat t-shirt and then it's ripped off on target. I mean, I'm just curious what the, why people brought you on and really what they wanted to discuss. Yeah, I think they definitely played the, you know, David versus Goliath type story, uh, you know, stay at home mom. And it, it was definitely, I, I mean, I feel like a lot of people that come on your show, they are on Shark Tank and they realize, you know, they have this like instant 10 seconds of fame. The target story for me was not a good 10 seconds of fame. I look back now, I would have done a lot of things differently, but I was put in this spotlight over something I really didn't know a ton about. I didn't know about copyright infringements. I didn't, you know, I've never hired a lawyer in my life and I had to hire a really good lawyer at this point because um, there was a lot that went on. All my other designs were critiqued. Um, You know, if I had copied somebody else and uh, you know, so it was a huge learning experience. Um, But I think they just, they, you know, I don't know, like Al Roker was like, you know, you deserve a big check from Target and all this stuff. And really at the end of the day, actually the company that stole our design actually ended up offering me a job to design for them. They're out of LA. And I was like, well, I don't, I mean, I don't want to work for you, but whatever. But we went through a lot of litigation and lawyers and 
you know, I never really wanted to sue. I just wanted them to take it out of their stores. They did the right thing. They took it out almost immediately because I think it got so much coverage they kind of had to. So it was a great win, but it's happened to a lot of other people. And so it's kind of this, it's great. We were, we were put on this pedestal, I think, for other people to know, hey, I can stand up for it happening to me too. And, and it continually does. So. Well, yeah, at a certain scale, you can pay a firm to scour the internet and Amazon and Target and everywhere else and see if you're getting ripped off. But when you're first mm-hmm. getting started, it'll put you out of business trying to track down the people that are ripping you off. Exactly. And there's so many simple things you can do to protect your artwork. And I had no idea about those. And now I do. And it's actually pretty inexpensive to do so. And uh so we've kind of helped a lot of other companies along the way say, hey, just do A, B, C, and D. And, you know, you should be okay if this happens to you. And you have a leg to stand on, actually, if it happens to you. Tell us what happened the first couple days after you aired. So when you aired, what happened to sales? What happened to the business? How did your life change? Yeah, so it's um, pretty fun. On So obviously, I, I got offered a deal um, by Barbara, but she did the whole answer me now or I'm out thing. And, and I was kind of waiting to hear what Lori would say, cause she was still in. And anyways, I left without a deal. Um, and I, a great little redemption for me though, is I got home the next day, you know, they ship you right out of there. They send you to a different hotel. In fact, you're not allowed to talk to anybody. And, uh, I got home and I was just like, whirlwind sitting on my couch, like trying to figure out what just happened. And I got a call on my phone and it was Lori Grenier. She called my cell and, you know, I had two little kids running around. So I literally like, I'll never forget this. I opened the freezer. I pull out two popsicles and I like locked myself in my bedroom and gave my kids popsicles and ran away um, just so that they wouldn't interrupt me or, you know, and she was so sweet. She gave me a ton of advice afterwards on how I can scale it on my own. And I didn't need a shark and here's how to do it and things I was doing right and different areas I should, you know, go into. Um, so that was really encouraging. But then also the day later, Barbara hurt once someone from her team reached out and said, Hey, Barbara wanted to let you know that like, your product is going to be really good. Once it airs, it'll be great for selling. Cause you know, a lot of people have products that you know, are conceptualized or, you know, mine were fairly inexpensive, a $25 t-shirt. And so they said, you're going to sell a lot of them when your episode airs. So she gave me some advice on things, messages I should put. So it was really great. Even though they didn't, you know, buy in, they still were encouraging and supportive. Um, but yeah, so we aired, um, and which I'm thankful we even got an air date since we didn't get a deal. That was kind of the big scare was that it wouldn't air, but our episode was, is pretty engaging. Uh, so anyways, yeah, we rented out a theater and had the whole family and friends and it was huge come. And, uh, then the next couple of days, well, the next hours were insane. Cause you know, every time zone that it hit, it would, you know, you'd like, oh, okay, it, you know, it hit on the East Coast, you know, so um, a wave of, you know, these orders. Thankfully, our website did not crash, but we sold, I mean, so much. It was astronomical. Um, and I was still making all of that product myself. And so uh, it was from minute one, it was like, get, let's get this organized, you know, and get these orders out as soon as possible. And because of Barbara's help, we had actually you know, planned a little bit ahead and we were okay. And, um, but yeah, it was just, it was a ton of fun to be honest. It was a great time of life. I had every single friend and family owner, you know, or family member packaging shirts and, um, it was a good time. But then after that we knew, okay, things are, 
things are different. We need to be a little more organized and um, moving forward. We were after that. So going back to the episode for a moment, it was really engaging. It was very entertaining. Uh, it was very contentious. Of course, we only see what they want us to see after editing, <laughs> but it seemed very contentious between uh, Barbara and Lori, but I'm glad they both reached out to you. But what I took note of is your comment that you really came there looking for people that believed in you not to get thrown in or acquired or partnered with, I think the company was Grace and Lace uh, mm -hmm. that uh, Barb was talking about. And that really made an impression on me. I said, good for her. <laughs> she stood up <laughs> for herself and, and knows what talent she has and what value she has. So, but it was a very engaging um, crossfire in there. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I, you know, you only see this edited version, but I was out there, I think a total, cause my husband was in the other room. So he was timing, I think it was out there for like 47 minutes or something talking to them. And so there was a probably 10 minute time where that happened and they fought with each other for like 10 minutes. And I was standing there. And at one point I'm like, Hey guys, let's, let's talk about me again. Like <laughs> I'll take a deal, you know, from anybody. And so I, you know, cause it was just so so interesting. But the minute I left, the producers were like, Hey, they never argue like that. Like if they do your episode will air. And so they just had a lot to work with, I think. So it, that was really good for me, but it was really interesting to watch. I learned a lot after that because a lot of people will say like, you know, you should have taken the deal. Grace and Lace could have taught you a lot. And, and, you know, maybe they could have, and maybe we'd be a completely different company now. Who knows? Uh, but at the time, the way she pitched it, which it doesn't quite show in the episode, was that Grace and Lace had never done any children's clothing up until this point. And so that it could be a twofer, like they could help me with production, fulfillment, but then I could help them with children's apparel. So in my mind, them owning 20% of my company, Barbara owning another 20%, but then I'm helping them, just didn't really seem like the right scenario for me. Um, it, you know, I didn't see the value in that. And then also I, I know the company well and didn't really want to do a deal with them, but it, I just wish I had more time to think about it. You know, it's like, that's the moment where you're like, why did you do the answer me now thing? Like, please just let me think it's a huge decision. And so overall, no regrets, very happy with how things worked out. So. Well, give us the update of, of what's happened since with the business, because I know there's there's been a lot that's transpired over the past five years or so. Yeah. So uh, we a couple years ago, I was kind of over it. Uh, I had worked my butt off for so long or, you know, five years or so. And I just I didn't see how uh, I felt like the market had gotten really saturated ever since then. And, um, you know, after being on you know, the news for our, um, target issue, there just was so many people copying every design. Like it was left and right. And I just felt like I was in this lose, lose situation. So I decided to put the company up for sale and I had this, you know, wonderful family in Florida, another mom who wanted to take it over. They knew screen printing and production. And so worked out a deal with them and ended up selling it learned along the way, a lot of things. I actually, you know, ended up helping start a company called all made apparel that makes t-shirts blank apparel, which I was using a ton out of recycled water bottles. And so I got to kind of move into this completely different venture of the blank apparel world and, you know, how important it is to, you know, help people and the planet. And so kind of gave me this whole different mindset. Um, and then earlier this year, the owner, 
who had purchased it from me, she was ready to move on. It, it hadn't done well. She thought her story and her family story could not um, kind of take over what I had created and that people just kind of wanted, you know, we had made the whole brand about, you know, our life and, and, uh, you know, being a mom and having kids and wanting, you know, fun apparel. And I think people had a hard time disconnecting to, or connecting to her. And so, um, she was ready to sell. And so, um, I actually, I have a business partner now, but we bought it back together and, uh, he is more savvy and like fulfillment distribution and all the things that I was so bad at. And, I get to do the things I love and that I'm better at and, you know, marketing and social media and designing. And so I have such a great, I feel, I feel so good about it. And we have such a great team now. Um, and so we're just kind of rebuilding and, you know, kind of just fixing what was broken a little bit while we were gone. And we're excited about things to come. When you sold the company, uh, did you list it anywhere or put it on the market or did you just put something out? Like, I'm curious about that, you know, first of all, like what that process was like for you. And then what did you learn from that process that might be interesting for you to share? Yeah. So, um, I was worried about optics. If I were to just, you know, post that I was selling the company, I may have sold it to somebody that would have done better with it. If I did that, um, just cause I had such a great community of moms and entrepreneurs, uh, but Shopify is our website host and Shopify has a platform that you can sell your website on. Um, and so they evaluate it and, um, and allow you to basically host it there. So uh, that's how she found it. Um, and, you know, the experience was good. Also, again, another really good learning experience, selling a business and buying it back. And it's just kind of like adds to the repertoire of figuring out, lawyers and, you know, agreements and all of that, uh, which is all great learning experience. So I actually have no regrets about what happened in selling it because I grew so much in those two years. And I feel like such a better business owner now, um, from learning what I have learned. So really happy how it turned out, but. Well, I'm curious, what were the sources of growth for you? Uh, so, so when I first left, I, I worked for a nonprofit um, that uh, helps well, orphanages in Haiti, essentially. And that's also out of where we started All Made Apparel, um, giving living wage jobs and creating apparel out of there. And with that process, I mean, I learned so I learned so much about inventory and um, just how important it is and how it's number one, not all the other things. And, um, but I also dived a ton into marketing and email campaigns and just all this behind the scenes stuff that I never had time to do with Sandy Lake. Cause I was packaging orders every single day. And there were so many things looking back now, if I would have just delegated a little bit better and then focused on these very important things, uh, we probably would have, you know, I would have felt better. And I just think you need a good team beneath you or alongside you, I should say, um, that you trust. And I didn't know how to put that together. And I've worked on two amazing teams since then. And in fact, I'll, I'll, that's why I wanted to go into business with a partner the second time, because I just knew that, you know, everyone's got different talents and it's, it's better to be together and do it. It's more fun too. And exciting things happen. How does it feel to buy back a business? 
good if I didn't buy it back for as much as I sold it for, which I didn't. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, it was my baby. Like I created it from nothing. I started at my garage. If I hadn't have bought it back, it might've just died. Right. It might've just gone away forever. She might've just like, Oh, I can't sell it. And sat aside to me that it still has so much potential and it has so much room to grow. There's so many products we're planning on adding. And there's, I, after coming back, I realized some of the competition I had before they all died away. Like there was a time where, you know, it seems so saturated. Now it kind of seems like everyone, a lot of people gave up. And now that I'm back, I kind of feel this renewed, I don't know, just attitude about it. Um, Also really miss the community of moms I had. The minute I sold the company, I lost all of that. And, you know, cause that they, their chain of communication was through Sandy Lake clothing, not my personal accounts. And so the minute I came back, I had all these amazing moms hitting me up again. So excited back. And now we're all collaborating again. And it, it couldn't be more fulfilling and exciting for our brand. So. How have, uh, how have, uh, styles, uh, kids styles changed since you came back at the games that you left and came back? I don't think what we are doing has changed at all, to be honest with you. So we were really basic and modern. And because we were unisex, I feel like our designs were so simple that they kind of transcend time. Like the same people that were ordering a yo, I'm one shirt or a yo, I'm two shirt are now ordering a yo, I'm five shirt and a yo, I'm six shirt because it's been a few years later and they still want that same birthday t-shirt or rad big bro because they're, you know, having a second baby now. And um, so I actually think, you know, there's of course some styles that we wouldn't really, you know, push anymore. You know, some things that are, I would say, um, you know, I don't, it's certain things that aren't trendy, I guess, like man crush Monday was a big thing. We little boys wore it on their shirt. That's not really a trend anymore, but besides certain things, I feel like for the most part, our style is, is really still strong. Uh, there's a lot of more products we want to bring out though. Um, and just kind of evolve our brand as, you know, a little bit like have something for everybody. So a little bit more higher end pieces and then, you know, just the fun everyday stuff. So anything, uh, any plans for cut and sew? Is it still going to be the model still going to be operating with blanks and, and dropping on them? Yeah. So for a while we were right before I sold it, we were dabbling in making our own t-shirts. In fact, a lot of the products at Shark Tank were made um, by a garment factory in Portland because we were looking to source our own pieces. Um, Probably in the future, we're currently working on top secret, some new products that are hats um, that are completely our own. But as far as apparel, I think we'll stick to this for now. Um, The whole world after, you know, a crazy couple of years has terrible inventory issues. And so I don't really want to dive right back into that. I think it would be wise to wait a little bit longer, but yeah, we need some pants though. So I feel like that would be next, not shirts. So yeah, I was going to ask you about bottoms. That's yeah, a bottoms. logical place to go. <laughs> yeah. We, we did have bottoms prior to selling the company and it was, it's so hard. It's such a difficult, you know, it's such a difficult world to navigate. Um, but now that I mean, I've helped create an apparel brand of blanks, um, you know, it's a little bit easier and I know a lot more people. So in the future. Yep. What works well, uh, for you from marketing standpoint, I mean, obviously it's changed and evolved over time. So as we sit here today, what are some of the things that are really helpful for you from a marketing standpoint? 
Yeah, so it's interesting coming back to, uh, you know, a social media platform that had grown quite large, but social media has changed over the last two years a lot. And so some of the same things, you know, we used to be able to post a kid in a t-shirt and we would sell a ton of them same day, same hour. I mean, it was, it's crazy, but now people want, you know, these interactive TikTok, you know, videos. And for me, that's, it's hard because I didn't do it for two years. I didn't evolve with that, you know, social technology. So I'm trying to dabble it back in. It's funny though. I just last week, I'm still, you know, testing what works and what people want to see. And I'm very open with our following as well. Like, what do you guys want to see and collaborating with them? But I did this really silly Shark Tank, TikTok, like Instagram real video, uh, just a couple days ago, you'll see it's, it was right on my feed. Um, and it's like about Shark Tank and, you know, it's like 15 seconds long. It's so silly. And it has almost 12,000 views. Like it had it almost instantly. And so I think just knowing how to analyze your own, you know, data and for me to clearly see, okay, people want to see, they want to hear about Shark Tank. They want to hear about your story, less about product, more about story. People want to buy from, you know, a great story and a real person. And so um, just kind of realizing those things and getting back out of my shell, I kind of put myself in in the last two years and talking about Shark Tank, which by the way, I can't even watch my own Shark Tank episode. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. So like talking about it even is like horrible. But so we all it. we all hate hearing and seeing ourselves on uh... oh. <laughs> those close-ups they did. It's like golly, like camera farther away. But what can you do? <laughs> we think we think you look great. Okay, it was. It's just torturous watching it back. You know, it's just such a such yep. a funny thing, but. What motivates you now as an entrepreneur? Oh, man. You know, I think my kids motivate me more than anything right now. When I started, my youngest was six months old. She's eight years old now. And, you know, last week we were at a campground and they're making bracelets and selling them to everybody in the campground and made like 40 <laughs> bucks. And so I just feel like, they are so motivated. Like they see what we do. She always tell, or my little girls always say like, mom, you're saving the world with all made our t-shirt company. And then, you know, you can make us cool clothes with Sandy Lake. Like they totally see it. They're a part of every design. In fact, with our fall collection, I was like, girls, what do you want to wear? Like, tell me what you would want on a shirt. And so I think that they're the biggest motivation. I, I think they're going to turn out to be really awesome little entrepreneurs. And yeah it's exciting and fun makes it so much more fun now that they can like hang out with me versus changing diapers in between packaging shirts, you know, <laughs> does the popsicle thing, the dual popsicle in the mouth, does that work anymore? <laughs> Actually? Yes. Popsicles always work. <laughs> well, I got to tell you that I have a 23 year old daughter and we just love her and she's grown up with entrepreneurial dad and mom. And she's got a lot of that DNA inside of her. She takes a lot of initiative to do a lot of gig work and she's always solving problems and uh, making money on, on the, uh, as, as a side hustle. So it's there. They see, it's incredible how much they see in here that we don't think they see in here. But wasn't she visiting you last week and misbehaving and you handed her a popsicle and then she started. Behaving. <laughs> so yeah, it works forever. Actually, I handed her a truly. It's yeah, different than a popsicle. Oh, yeah. 
it changes. I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who? A uh, couple. Couple final questions. Who? Yeah. You know, because you obviously, you know, you didn't choose to be an entrepreneur. It kind of happened, you know, so there wasn't this big master plan, but, you know, as you evolved uh, over time as an entrepreneur, who were people that were role models to you or taught you, or you tried to emulate? Oh man. So when I first started screen printing, um, I, I bought from this great company called Ryanet. They sell screen printing supplies and you got this like awesome DVD 101. Um, and so I watched it and it was this, um, young guy named Ryan Moore. And he, you know, he's this little punk rock guy with a faux hawk. And my husband and I were like making fun of him on the TV. And then like two years later, I, it just so happens there it, the company is here in Vancouver, Washington. So really close to Portland. And his wife told him about me. And he, two years later calls me on the phone and is like, Hey, can I come check out your shop? And so I was like, oh, I mean, sure. I like cleaned the whole shop because I was so nervous because this guy is like very famous in the screen printing world and huge entrepreneur himself. Like grew his business from nothing to like, I think a hundred million dollar company. Like they're huge now. And so he comes to my shop and he's actually the one that pitched starting this awesome sustainable apparel line and wanted a woman entrepreneur to be a part of it and, and help found it with him. And we are now such great friends and I work with him every day. So he has been such an inspiration to me. He is a hustler and a half, like never, I mean, he's never not working in the best possible way though. You know, he's answers your emails, you know, even if it's a quick misspelled sentence, he's always there, like letting you know, I got this, like, um, and he's just has really shown me that you can have a family and, you know, just kick ass at the same time. And I, yeah, he's just been a great mentor for me. That's fantastic. Yeah. But it's about, you know, I believe it's about who you are. You attract the people you're supposed to attract. So it says a lot about you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like this whole journey has been such a whirlwind. Like you said, I, I didn't, I kind of fell into this, but I, I do feel, you know, my entire life, I've always been the person that's, you know, outgoing and, and, you know, wants to learn and I learn fast and I love to listen. And I think there are certain qualities that you kind of grow up with that help kind of shape what you were meant to do and who you were meant to be. And yeah, it's been a fun journey for sure. Final question, where can everyone find and buy your products and where can they follow you on social media? So our website is www.sandylakeclothing.com, but that's S-A-N-D-I, Lake Clothing. Um, and then same with our social handle, we're Sandy Lake Clothing. And yeah, come check us out. We will. We appreciate you sharing some, some great information, great lessons for entrepreneurs, uh, walking us through your journey and uh, continued success. Thank you so much. So fun to be here. Our pleasure. Thanks for being here. All right, we're back. And I, I think this microphone's higher than you. Well, let's see. Let me get right behind it so you can't even see me. Yeah, it is. It's a very tall microphone. Yeah. Are you, are you intimidated? <laughs> here, I'm going to lower our No, table. don't How's lower that? the desk. No, leave it go. You know, sometimes Can you give I, me a box to stand so, on? Sometimes I make uh, the desk or the camera higher than I, I even want to. Just to bother me. Yeah, yeah, just to bother you. Beautiful. All right, what did we learn? Post game, my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, time of the show. 
I'm going to give you three things. Great lady, great entrepreneur. Um, she knows her value. And what that means in my mind is she knows where she needs to be in her business. She is, and this goes back to Michael Gerber, The E-Myth Revisited. If you haven't uh, read it, please read it. It's a Bible for entrepreneurs. But Ber uh, Gerber talks about working in your business versus working on, on your business. She, she knows her value is working on her business. And in talking to her on camera, off camera, she really, really gets that. And so we all need to get that. We all need to step back a little bit and delegate what we can delegate. Get that off your plate. It's interesting you say that because an entrepreneur here locally that you and I know, I saw something he posted on LinkedIn this morning. And um, yeah, his, his company's growing. They're doing great. There was something he was doing. And I know that he is really, really enjoying it like an like a, a function inside of his business yeah. i would hate it <laughs> and, and i think you would hate it too but you'd probably hate it less than i would i would hate it it's like the last thing i want to do but the point is is he's doing a great job inside of his business doing something that he really enjoys and is vital to the business for me i have zero interest in doing that specific thing therefore i would feel annoyed uh, and, and completely dead inside and it would not be the best use of my skill set inside of a business. So you have to, I mean, you have to have strong self-awareness as an entrepreneur. Probably stronger self-awareness than you need in most of the things you do. Yeah. And, right? and, is, it, that, it, is that it, fair? It, like if you're, if you're a lawyer, do you need to have exceptionally strong self-awareness? Yeah, maybe you kind of need to know and how to work the jury and stuff like that if you're doing trials. But my point is, is there's a lot of jobs that I don't necessarily think that you need to constantly be evaluating. What am I good at? What do I suck at? What gives me energy? What terrifies me? What gives me energy at the end of the day so that you know I leave with my head held high versus the things that drain me and make me not want to come back tomorrow? I don't know if you know, there's a lot of jobs out there like that. And I'd also argue that if you have a job versus running an organization, you don't necessarily have a choice. Yeah. You have to do certain things, you have to operate inside of a certain environment. So we as entrepreneurs have the ability to create our own environment, but it takes exceptional self-awareness to know where we should and shouldn't spend our time. And that's really at the heart of the lesson that you just shared. And I think you have to feel your way through it. You make a really good point as a W-2 employee, you don't have the luxury that an entrepreneur has. As, as an entrepreneur, you have choices. You are not stuck. And if you find you're doing something inside of your business that A, you're not good at, or B, you hate, uh, delegate it, hire it out, outsource it, hire someone to it. Um, and I think you need to feel, feel your way through that, but the awareness is key. You have to be cognizant of what you're feeling and be very aware of what's draining draining you or uh, on the other side of the equation, giving you uh, juice and power and energy. Yep. Uh, second thing is um, you have to, uh, she mentioned you have to grab a team, grab the right team. So critical, people, <laughs> the team we build around us. And Tom, you and I wrote in our book, Entrepreneurial Landmines, that A players are phenomenal. Of course, we're always looking for A players, and you could probably get away with some B plus players, maybe even a B minus. And, and it's tough in these, in these times to find great A and B plus players, but you could probably get away with a few B minus players. But you can't build a team around C or D players. That will absolutely kill you. And the smaller you are, the more evident it is, and the more critical it is, uh, that the wrong people are on the bus and or in the wrong seats. So you've got to grab a team and you've got to... What's my grade? 
<laughs> it's a small team, so yeah, you're you you're a plus plus. You're the greatest partner anyone could ever imagine. Well, now I feel bad. How'd I do? I was gonna, I, <laughs> You, you did great. You're but gonna I was give gonna, me a B minus, B plus, <laughs> B plus. Come on, man. That's what I. That's actually what I call you. B plus at home. Yeah. yeah How was your day? Oh, B plus, and I had a good day. <laughs> there will come a time. Okay, I'll, I'm just I'll, kidding. I'll, I'll say A minus. A minus. <laughs> Last but not least, she is a sponge. She is a lifetime learner. We talk about this a lot. Lifetime learners are fantastic. She's probably a conscious incompetent. She knows what she doesn't know, and she's seeking that knowledge. But we love sponges. We love people that are very aware of what they don't know, very willing to learn, very coachable. open, coachable. So I love that. couple quick ones here. Um, you know, She talked about protecting your artwork and, and how cheap that is. But it's cheaper to protect your artwork than to get litigious with people <laughs> that rip you off. Right. And I thought that was a great lesson. I mean, we all have, you know, we all have some type of what we deem either intellectual uh, intellectual property or copyright material, something, right? Most of us think that um, in our business or have something. So, you know, again, you got to play defense a little bit, especially yeah. as you scale a business. And some uh, of those dollars up front are cheap dollars compared to what can happen on the on the back end. Yep. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Barb and Lori both reached out afterwards. And so mm -hmm. it's just a testament that, you know, in life, in, you know, personal relationships, professional relationships, you never know when someone may re-enter your life. So, you know, it might be easy on TV in the heat of the moment, upset that, you know, you didn't get the deal you wanted and to just go, well, you know, screw you, screw you, whatever. But the classy smart thing to do is to be polite, to be professional, maybe to stay in touch with people because you just never know. I actually, I kind of unrelated but interesting is I just read a, a new trend that's really starting to pick up um, in the workforce, which is people are leaving organizations. They're either going back to that organization later on or they're going to another organization where their previous immediate supervisor was. Mm -hmm. and, and I forget the terminology. I think it was the Wall Street Journal. I forget the terminology they used. Uh, boomerang. So the whole point is, is don't burn bridges. Right. So, you know, don't, you know, MF people on the way out upset or <laughs> burn the place down because you may end up back there or right. you may go somewhere else. So it's just the importance of how relationships can come and go in personal and business. So, you know, even you and I, there's times where we get frustrated at people, but taking the low road is never going to serve you well. In the moment, you may pat yourself on the back for, you know, telling that person, you know, what to do. But in reality, why burn bridges? Why leave people with a bad taste in their mouth about you? Because you just never know. And in corporate America, and I spent just a little bit of time in corporate America. Seven decades. <laughs> you are so mean. I know. Uh, it was a, a couple of decades right there in the middle, but... In, in corporate America, I learned uh, very early on that you're never mean or nasty or dismissive of someone, uh, one of your peers or someone that works for you or directly reports to you. And I had a mentor How does it say, help you? It, it doesn't help you, but I, it really came to, to, to pass and, and take root when I found myself you know, working for someone who was once a peer. And I thought, well, I'm glad that we had a great and respectful and productive relationship. So, you know, he, uh, one of my mentors said, you never know who you're going to be working for one day. They could be below you. Uh, they could be parallel to you inside of an organization. They could be a vendor or investor um, that you need. So it, it, it's critical just to treat people uh, in, a, in a good manner. 
Uh, a couple more quick ones. Shopify. I didn't realize you could sell a business on Shopify. So if you're selling a product on there and you eventually want to take it to market, they have a marketplace for you to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, probably makes a lot of sense because they have all of your sales data. Yeah. So if I'm thinking about buying your clothing business, um, you know, you could fudge numbers. You know, I'm looking at a spreadsheet or your QuickBooks may or may not be accurate. Who knows? But if I have your Shopify results. I mean, I, I know your sales, yep. you know, and so that really would, I think, make me more comfortable purchasing a business if I had their actual Shopify data and I knew they were on there and, and running an efficient business. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That's a, uh, a great little uh, great little marketplace for a small business. Yeah. And then the last thing I just thought was um, really just smart was just the importance of the relationships with the customers like the moms. And so, you know, all of our businesses, you and I included, we, we understand that there are certain groups of people that we're trying to serve. Moms, um, CEOs, uh, vice presidents of human resources, whoever it might be, right? The legal community. I mean, you pick up pick up area and if that's who you're selling to or serving, well, then you better have a good relationship with them. You better be able to know where to find them and how to evaluate if they like your product or what feedback they have. So I thought she did a great job with that. So awesome entrepreneur, great interview, really enjoyed it. I'm Tom, that's Joe B+. <laughs> and we'll see you next week on an all new episode of Outside the Tank.